Welcome to the Build with Brabeck podcast, where we dig deep into real, raw, and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change, and making their own version of their very best life. And teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more. Here's your host, Amanda Brabeck. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Build with Brayback podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. Um, you guys said that you wanted more solo podcasts, and I am nothing if not a people pleaser. So here we go. <laughs> uh, mostly joking on that one. But yeah, I don't know. It's funny to me, like imposter syndrome. It's a real bitch because – I am like pretty self-conscious of my solo episodes. Like I feel like I just like don't have that much to say and you guys would rather just like hear from interesting guests. So the only way to get over imposter syndrome is truly to just move through it and push past it. So we're doing it and I'm excited. I do enjoy recording the solo episodes. They're fun. So Let's do it. We'll start with our highs and our lows, okay? Um, our highs are my own, me, my highs. Um, this last weekend, I went down to Connecticut um, to my parents' house because my grandparents who live at, out in Illinois, who I have not seen in like two years, um, they were visiting. So we went down for the weekend. My boyfriend got to meet them for the first time. My grandparents on my mom's side also came down, um, uh, or her mom and stepdad, which very much is my grandpa, but that set came down too. Um, my sisters were down. So it was just really nice to spend some time relaxing with the family it was a very like rejuvenating weekend. Um, yeah, I feel, and I'm going to talk about this, I think in a little, but also just the high of like being back on a regular teaching schedule and um, being able to connect with people in that way again has been really, really nice. So quick little shameless plug, if you're in the Boston area, come check out a class at the handlebar. Reach out to me if you've never tried it and you want to take your first class with me. Um, it's been just really fun and a really positive experience so far. Um, I have nothing but like wonderful things to say about them as a studio in general. So that's been great. Um, and then my low. And I debated whether or not using this as my low, but I'm making the decision right now in full transparency um, to admit the fact that I, a grown-ass woman of 29 years old, peed my pants last night. Not in the bed. I went to the beach with a girlfriend um, and drank some wine. Jillian Bensko, if you're listening to this, I blame you for the amount that I drank. Um, and I had to pee so bad. I was walking home. It's like a 10 minute walk home because it was like kind of late. We stayed there a little bit past like sunset. Um, and I was like doing my best speed walk, really getting those hips into it. I was like, oh my God, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It was the scene from Bridesmaids just like not shitting my pants, but like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. And yes, I did. Not like majorly. It could have been worse, but it could have been much better. So next time you feel bad about your life, yourself, I want you to just think about me in like sheer terror, sprinting down the streets of Southie in my like Adidas slides. So yeah, 
we're gonna we're gonna leave that at that. I'm hoping that uh, you know, maybe in my 30th year of life, I will not pee my pants because it has happened in my 28th year and my 29th year. So I would really like to end that streak like ASAP. Um, cool. Let's move on. Recommendations. This has nothing to do with fitness or anything, but my take on books, podcasts, shows, whatever. Um, so like I said, on my last podcast, um, I am on a serious Taylor Jenkins read um, streak. Like I read Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, loved it. Um, Daisy Jones and the Six, loved it. Um, I didn't realize that she was the author of like all those books. Um, so I figured like might as well just blow through every single one that she's ever written because I'm loving her right now. So might as well. Um, and so I talked about Malibu rising last week. So I read one true loves this past week. I've been trying really hard to read before bed instead of watching TV, even if it's just for a few minutes, just cause I feel like I, like when I'm watching TV, I like get distracted scrolling on my phone and like am consuming way too much on social media and like I don't sleep as well. I don't fall asleep as fast. I'm not like as relaxed and rejuvenated or anything. So that's been the goal recently. Um, but One True Loves, I feel like I would give it like a 3.5 or like a 4 out of 5. Where like the other ones, Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones, and Evelyn Hugo, 5 out of 5 hands down. And like One True Loves, it was good. Like I really liked the writing. It was set in Boston, which is just like fun or in Massachusetts and Boston. Um, but it's fun to like read a book and have like familiar settings and things uh, like shouted out. So I liked that aspect. I feel like it was just like a little bit almost too like Nicholas Sparksy for what I was expecting. Um which like I like Nicholas Bart's books. I've read a lot of them, but maybe not like what I was expecting since like the other books weren't like that. Um, but it was like an interesting question and take on like, do you have one true love in your life or do you have multiple true loves that are in your life for specific situations and lessons and time? So that was good. Um, and then also Love is Blind after – I don't know what it is. It's not like after the final rose. That's The Bachelor. Um, but like the reunion kind of show, like after a year. Um, it's two episodes. So obviously I blew through them so quickly, which I'm so sad about because I wish that it was like a full other season. But it was chaotic to say the least. But so good. I love me some trash. And my God, it is like a dumpster. Like reality TV, just gold. I don't know how much of it was staged because there are so many parts of it that definitely kind of seem like it is. Like I feel like Amber is a giant phony who thinks like extremely highly of herself and like thinks everyone's always like looking at her. Um, I don't think that her and Barnett are that like blissfully happy. I think he's like terrified of her. Um, and I think they're like a good match because they're both kind of just like, they're like on the same level. Um, Giannina and Damien. I hated Giannina on the season. Like she's, I feel like crazy and like not believable. Like some of the stuff that she says, I'm like, are you an actress? And, like, you're playing a character. There's no way that this is actually who you are as a human being. And I think it really just might be. But, like, Damien is an insane gaslighter. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, I'll leave it at that. Francesca from Too Hot to Handle is on it. Just run, don't walk. Like, honestly, maybe pause this podcast and go watch that right now. Come back later. But, like, it's good. Um, and then the last one 
the sex life. I was just going to watch the, you know, episode three reaction video, see the, the jingling. Um, but I was hooked. And if you did watch it or if you did not watch it, sorry, and you don't want any spoilers, just go ahead and fast forward like a minute and a half. I'm going to make it short and sweet, but I, I must, I must, must, must break it down a little bit because like that shit was so good. Um, I thought it was a really interesting take on like the nuances of a woman and like how multifaceted we are and how, um, one, like all the different layers and how you can have like sexual desires and like want to be desired and be seen in that way. But at the same time can also be like a wife and a mother and like play all these different roles. Um, so it was just like an interesting take on that. And I am like such a firm believer in like every relationship, it, like to each their own kind of thing. Like there was a couple that like went to sex parties and stuff. And like that probably seems way far out there for most people. But like if that's what works for them, then that's what works for them. Or like open relationships, which I think is like kind of what they alluded to at the end of it which I don't see working out for them because the husband was clearly super upset about it. And she was upset about him like getting a blowjob at the sex party and stuff like that. So like not seeing that working out for them, but I love a woman who asks for what she wants. So whatever. But I think we need to talk about two very important things. One being that her husband, like, yeah, he was betrayed in a way, but like, he was the worst. Like, he snooped through her laptop, read her journal, which, by the way, like, stop fucking writing in this laptop journal that you know that he's reading. Like, she just kept fueling the fire by doing that. Like, okay, he's reading it. Maybe put a new password on your computer. Or, like, get an actual journal that, like, maybe you keep with you. Like, a journal is a personal thing. And, like, no, you shouldn't have secrets with your, like, husband. But he also should know that, like, reading someone's journal, like, that is a line you just don't cross. Um, and because of that, he spiraled and went fucking crazy. And, like found out about all this stuff that she did before she even met him. And it made him so crazy because he's insecure about himself. Like if he didn't, I feel like if he didn't go down that like giant rabbit hole, he could have just taken it as like, hey, maybe I should step it up and like make sure that she's feeling desired instead of like making it about himself. And like obviously then it went to like a way farther place where she was like talking to it, talking to the other guy and all that, which like she obviously shouldn't have been. But then for her, it's like it's a tale as old as time. Women like romanticizing and I'm not saying that I'm above it because like have for sure been there like after a breakup when you romanticize your feelings for the person and when you um, like only remember or focus on the positive memories and just, just the specific positive parts. Like it could – if you look big picture, you probably would see the different red flags and stuff, but it's – so much easier to stay in that like obsession of like what good was there and like oh what could have happened but like if you zoom out like he was the fucking worst but she just liked the drama and like that's the thing is like she's acting like he was her one true love but like that's how those people like manipul manipulate you into thinking that it's like this really big, big love when really 
the person is just creating those like quote unquote butterflies because they're never there for you. You never know if they're going to like show up when you need them to, or, you know, like, it's like, you're always on your toes. So then you're left with like, Oh, but I don't have that spark with other people. I don't have those butterflies with other people. Like those aren't butterflies. Like that's like anxiety. Um, and like, there were just so many things that were so messed up about what he did. I'm going way over like the 90 seconds that I said I was going to, but like, I'll wrap it up in a sec. Um, like he cornered her in the bathroom. He didn't respect her boundaries. She constantly told him like, I'm not talking to you. I'm married. Stop talking to me. And then he like follows her in the bathroom. Like regardless of like what you think she wants, she's telling you what she's want. So like fucking listen. Um, violating her and her best friend's boundaries. Like he was hooking up with her best friend and then FaceTimes Billy and starts like purposely has sex with a friend just because he knows Billy is watching. Like that is a crazy violation. And I'm shocked that they really just like breezed past that. And then like she also like the drama of like, like when she was published in this magazine and had this big dinner party and then, you know, he's supposed to be there and he's so late. So it's like stirring up all this stuff with her. Like, Oh, is he going to show up? Is he not? Is he going to show up? Is he not? And then he shows up and was like doing a quote unquote sweet gesture, which like buying all the magazines that she was featured in doesn't really feel that sweet to me because like, she doesn't want them bought out. She wants people to actually fucking read the article. Like, what is the point? Go buy a stack and get to the dinner party on time. And like, wouldn't have it actually just meant more? It would have been sweeter if he just did that and showed up for her when she needed him. Like, am I growing up right now? Am I a grown up? Am I emotionally mature that this is how I see the situation? Well, um, but yeah, like even if you haven't watched it, that doesn't really give away everything that happens. It's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah. Well, this isn't like a TV recap podcast. So I'll move on. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about boundaries because um, your mental health and your mental well-being is just as important if not more important than your physical fitness and physical health. Um, and I think like recently I've been trying to set some good boundaries um, in my life just to help with that because I am, as I said, definitely a people pleaser and like doing that kind of thing is uncomfortable for me. But also then like I overcommit and end up disappointing people anyways um, and get stressed out and have anxiety. And like over the last, you know, year and a half, like COVID taught me a lot. And I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to like go back to all of my old ways of like just going at 100% all the time. And this is a huge part of that. Um, and if you haven't listened to the episode with Ashley Mitchell, I highly recommend going back and listening to that one because I feel like she is so good about this and like really good about it's not a personal thing. You can be upfront with people of like, this is what I have to give right now. Or like, that's not going to work for me. And I like aspire her to her level of healthy boundaries. Um, but I'm actively working on it. And I feel like in my professional life, you know, I was feeling really burnt out and not super appreciated. And I knew that like the way, the way in which I was working wasn't going to be sustainable for my long-term mental health, for my long-term goals. Um, so over the last like three months, I really took a step back from teaching, which really also was in part due to, uh, like training at the handlebar, um, and not wanting to like overexert myself, but it 
like changed things exponentially for me. Like I have found the love of teaching movement and leading movement again. I am more clear on what my goals are moving forward, how I want to like show up for classes moving forward, like how I want that space to be and like who I'm going to allow into that space um, in terms of like collaborations and like where I would work and all of that. Um, And obviously that's a luxury that a lot of people are not able to do, but I definitely highly recommend it if you can, if you're feeling like that really stuck feeling and feeling super burnt out, you're not excited for things you used to be excited about. Um, There's just something so powerful in truly putting yourself first. And that I feel like is definitely like where I'm at right now in my little journey. Um, But then you know, beyond professionally, also with family and friends, like we're gearing up and like this summer has been absolutely bananas and it's all fun stuff and it's great. And, you know, we're going to a lot of weddings and celebrating like wonderful, like love between people that we really care about. And that's amazing too. But again, I made that promise to myself of, really checking in. And so I've been really trying actively to be like, Hey, look, you know what? This doesn't work for me, but we could do this. Like, how does that sound? And like, instead of just saying yes all the time and then being burnt out and frustrated and then it ends up, you know, like holding a little bit of resentment for those people that are asking you to go in those situations. And then like, if you just say, yes, that's on your own accord. So like, you can't have that resentment for those people. So that's been amazing. And I'm not an expert at it by any means, but I think if I could give a tip is just to be like as clear as possible with people and um, do more for yourself to be more connected. And that, you know, translates into so many different parts of life. Um, If you want to be more mindful about the way that you're exercising, if you want to be more mindful about your eating and everything, um, like finding some kind of mindfulness practice. For me, it's been uh, trying to journal every day, just like free form journaling in addition to like the gratitude pages that I do. Um, But even just like a couple minutes or if something like pops in my mind or if I'm like feeling a certain way and I don't even have the journal, I'll like write a note in my phone just like getting out that stuff. Or maybe if you are uh, like prone to those feelings, write about it every time it happens and try to like identify exactly how you're feeling, things that could have potentially um, like trigger those feelings. Yeah. Boundaries. They are, are an amazing thing. Use them. Use them. Um. All right. Well, I'm going to keep this episode like pretty short in comparison to like the longer um, guest driven episodes because I know sometimes like a short little digestible snack is all you need. So I asked you guys to ask some questions on the good good old IG. Um, And like even if I don't specifically ask like 100%, shoot me a DM, email me. Amanda Brabeck Fitness at gmail.com. Submit something on the website like this, that, or the other thing. I want to cater this show to what you want to hear about. So, okay. Um, all right. Let's dive in. So someone asked how I felt about other fitness professionals like basically shitting on different exercise modalities. And I'll be honest, I like really actually hate it. It's a really frustrating thing um, personally that I see happen in the space too much because I think that there can be a beautiful community aspect to group fitness. Um, 
And there really is a lovely community in Boston, but it also can be super competitive. So anything like that just like rubs me the wrong way. I don't love every form of movement. Like I'm not, I really like some things and I'm not big on the other things, but I think unless it's like an actually dangerous and like, yeah, if it's dangerous and super ineffective because of that, like maybe give some education as to like why it's dangerous and maybe like an idea of like how to adjust it or something like that. But just like straight up shitting on other modalities, it just seems like pointless. And I really hate to see that, especially because like if people are moving and it feels good for them and like they're not hurting themselves, I think that's a beautiful thing. And there's no point in maybe like deterring someone from a form of movement because if that's what they love, like it's great that they're moving and like that's, that's it. Um, all right. How do you push past self doubt and go after your goals? So this is huge. I mean, I literally in the very beginning was talking about imposter syndrome and I have it all the time. I still feel like I'm learning so much and I'm like farther behind other people. And that can be a really paralyzing feeling. Um, but like I said, I think the only way out of imposter syndrome is to just work through it and push past it. Like I don't think it it ever totally goes away. And if it does, that probably means you're a little bit stagnant. Um, like you want to be a little bit scared or else you're probably not doing anything super meaningful anymore. Um, and like if you kind of reframe that thought in your mind, like it could also be excitement. Um, but I don't know. Recently, I feel like I've been grappling with it a little bit and I have to remind myself like, why not me? that other person that's doing what I want to do probably started out feeling the same exact way. Like everyone starts from square one and they went through the actions and they made it happen. So you don't need to compare what they're doing to what you're doing. You just have to start taking those actions too. Like the only thing really different about you and the person doing what you want to be doing is that they're doing it and you're sitting there asking yourself, like, can I actually do it? Just go do it. Just go do it. That's all. And obviously there are like so many more intricate things of like if you really wanted to sit there and compare yourself to someone that's doing what you're doing, like, you know, different barriers, socioeconomic barriers, this, that, and the other thing. But I think if you really just focus every single day, like, okay, what can I do today to go after that goal? What can I do this week? Like try to map it out for yourself a little bit and like manifest it. Just push past the imposter syndrome because I don't think it really truly ever goes somewhere. And like, that's kind of a scary thought, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, how to find and select a trainer and identify who could be a good fit? Um, this is a good question. It is, I think there could be multiple different answers. Um, I think if you already feel super comfortable and like at home in a certain like gym facility, maybe talking to the front desk uh, or, you know, someone that you know that works there, asking about what their offerings for personal training are. Um, but if not, start to research um, different gyms in the area because most most trainers work out of, you know, specific gym facilities. So I think that probably would be the easiest way unless like you have – a few that you follow on Instagram or something that 
you potentially would want to work with either in a virtual or like in-person capacity. Um, But also know that like the trainer is going to do like an assessment with you. um, Like before I ever have like actual client sessions, I'll sit down for like 15 minutes to half an hour and ask them a bunch of questions about their goals and their abilities and their past and, um, you know, what style of training they enjoy. And it's a two way street. Like I might not be the best fit for everyone, but also that client might not be the best fit for me and like what I specialize in. But if someone wasn't a good fit for me, I would always try to find someone else that I knew who could be good for them. And like, if you're really starting from scratch and are going to like Google gyms and stuff, I would try to um, like pay attention to how, you know, their stuff makes you feel, look at their social media presence, like, because I'm not going to lie, personal training is expensive. It's an investment. So if you're going to invest that money, you want it to be a good fit. So if you're looking at a gym page and they seem super intimidating and like maybe they don't care about the same things that you care about, maybe that's not where you want to spend your time and your money. But if you find a gym that like makes you feel good and makes you feel excited, they probably will have some good trainers that make you feel the same. Um, And the same thing if you're like browsing around on social media, like you could even try searching that way too, like hashtag Boston personal trainer or, you know, whatever city personal trainer or something like that. Um, And like look through their stuff and see what they're about and see if they like have the, you know, style of training that might feel good for you. Um, If, they seem educated, like you want to check on their certifications, which most personal trainers will like have in their bio if they use it for business purposes and stuff. Um, like NASM is really good. Ace. Yeah. I hope that helps. It's You could go about it in so many different ways. Um, asking you know, your community for recommendations, whether it's friends or you know, word of mouth is like the best. It's the best way to make those bigger decisions. You know, if someone that you really trust loved someone, that could be like a good place and like a safe place to start. Um, But then also there was another part of the question, um, one-on-one versus small group training. Both are wonderful. Um, I would say one-on-one if you're ready to invest more. Um, If you want super, super personalized training, like if you have an injury that you're recovering from or a super specific goal that you're reaching towards, like if you're training for a specific like event or race, or something like that. You probably just want to work one-on-one just to get all of that really personalized attention. But small group training is such a great way to get some focused focused programming, to have it be a little less intimidating working with a trainer, especially if it's the first time or you're new to fitness or just getting back into it. Yeah, I love my small groups and like small group, like normally I feel like they're probably no bigger than like six people. Like that would probably be like the biggest I would expect to see. So you can still get some really personalized coaching and some really good like one-on-one feedback um, without paying the cost of those one-on-one sessions. So, you know, maybe you could afford a couple small group trainings a week where then you would only be able to afford like one one-on-one like every other week or something like that. Um, so yeah, especially if you have 
like you could also ask around to like your friends and see if any of them would want to start a small group like weekly session um because that I feel like that's a fun way to like almost have it be like a social thing you're hanging out it's less intimidating when you guys are together um yeah and like okay if these answers aren't really cutting it send me like follow-up questions please um all right waiting to be hungry to eat versus eating before you're hungry so you're not ravenous by the time you start eating um, okay, so this one's really interesting. I actually was just reading about um, reading about this in the intuitive eating book because I've taken like a long hiatus from actually doing my studying. So getting back into it. So I'll definitely be putting out more of that like content and information as I go, I promise. Um, so I was just reading about this one and it was saying that you know, when you're constantly in that diet cycle, you, you're you ignoring your hunger cues, right? So your body almost trains itself to suppress those hunger cues until the point of that ravenous hunger because you're not answering anyways. Like that it's just the – it kind of, it makes sense, right? Like your stomach is trying to send that message to your brain, but your brain is ignoring it and ignoring it and ignoring it. So your stomach is like, okay, well, this isn't working anymore. Um, so if that is where you feel like you're at, it's just going to take some time um, to kind of rewire your brain. And once you start eating more and your body's not constantly in that like starvation scary mode, um, those signals will even out a little bit. But, um, and like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I am not even done with my certification for intuitive eating. So like take some of this with a grain of salt. Right. Um, but so I think what you're experiencing is probably close to that. And I don't mean that in like a mean, like you're starving yourself, big dramatic kind of way, but that is technically the state that your body goes into when you're dieting and restricting, even if it is like smaller restrictions. Um, and like, I have been there when I was reading it, I was like, Oh, yep. That was me for the longest time. Um, and it's taken me honestly like a year and a half to really start to feel comfortable actually listening to my body's cues because I ignored them for so long and tried really hard to like stick to a specific like I eat at these times and this is how much I eat where like your needs change day to day. So um, I mean I think there are like two ways of looking at it. So Sure, maybe you want to wait to like be hungry to eat, but you don't want to wait until you're at that point of like ravenous hunger. So when you start to feel like those teeny tiny signs, like maybe a little grumbling in your stomach or, you know, be a little bit more mindful of like, oh, you know what? I haven't eaten in like a lot of hours. Even though my body's not like super telling me – that was good English um, – that like it is time to eat. Maybe I have a small snack and like see where I'm at, you know? Um, because you do want to listen to your body's hunger cues, but if you're kind of retraining yourself, it's going to take a little bit more – just a little bit more um, like time and planning almost. Not planning, but just paying a little bit more attention of like, you know what? I'm not starving yet, but I eat breakfast at 6 a.m. and it's noon. It's been six hours. I should probably at least maybe have a small lunch even if I'm not feeling hungry 
when I start to eat, then like I'll eat my snack and I'll have lunch a little later. But like for me, if it was noon and I ate breakfast at six, I would be like past that ravenous point. Um, so maybe that's not a good example, but you get what I mean. Um, so just be patient, trust the process. Um, as an instructor, how to handle when others are overdoing it. It's a really tricky one because you don't want to step on anyone's toes. You don't know what's going on with someone behind the scenes. Um, and I think that there are two ways of handling it. So I see it all the time, the people that are like over-exercising and putting so much pressure on themselves to make it to like two classes every day. And I know they're not eating enough and I know that they're not doing enough recovery and they're not taking rest days. And so in a very kind way, you can like gently make suggestions. You know, if you're comfortable with the person, you'd be like, hey, like, what are you doing? You're like coming to so many classes and like you're killing it, but make sure you're like taking a rest day or like, hey, you don't have to do two classes every day. That's crazy. Just give your body a little break. You know, you don't, you just, you don't need to do that much. And chances are they probably won't listen to you anyways um, because it's normally coming from something a little deeper. There's really only been like one time where I felt that it was actually really dangerous. Like I don't want people over exercising and not focusing on recovery, but like you're an adult. It's not my place to try to be your therapist also. Um, but yeah, there was just like one situation that actually felt dangerous. And I brought it up to our head trainer at the time. And she had a conversation um, privately with the person um, just because she was more of a leadership figure. She actually knew the person better than I did and felt like she was in more of a place to – it was really more of just like a check-in. It wasn't like a, you should not be doing this. It was like, hey, I notice, you know, you've been taking at least two classes every single day, and I haven't seen any days off, and um, I just want to make sure that you're doing okay because – I'm a little worried about you. Um, I mean, kind of approaching it like you would a friend. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable enough doing that with them, if you know any of you know, people that are close with them, maybe asking them like, hey, how's she doing? Like, have you talked to her about this? Have you noticed this? Is it just me? Um, it's it's a tricky one because it, it really normally does stem from something bigger. Um, okay. Intuitive eating versus mindful eating. Um, so I think mindful eating is wonderful. And I think that's kind of like almost like a step before you really get to the intuitive eating. Like I think intuitive eating is just a little bit more nuanced, like mindful eating, you know, you're checking in with your body, you're trying to like listen to yourself and your cues, but you're maybe not doing all that extra work that you do with intuitive eating, um, such as heal, actually healing your relationship with food and um, reflecting internally about, you know, what are your, I guess you could call them like trigger foods or the foods that are your like bad foods that scare you, that you binge, that, you know. Uh, so I think it's a little bit more introspective than mindful eating. Um, but also some people might not be that deep into like a diet cycle that they need to do all the intuitive eating. Like maybe mindful eating is where they're at and that's okay too. It's not for everybody. Not every single person has been plagued with the diet culture um, effects. So, yeah. But I highly recommend you can 
buy the intuitive eating book pretty much like anywhere. Um, and despite me being a procrastinator, it's like a pretty, I don't want to say light, excuse me, um, light read. Like it's not super dense and it's very relatable. Um, and they also have workshops. So you can kind of work through each like pillar of intuitive eating. So yeah, intuitive eating, I think it's just a little more, there's a little more introspection. There's a little bit more work into like getting to the root of why your relationship with food is the way that it is. Um, and then what to do in the moment when you're having negative body thoughts. A few things. I think first, give yourself a little bit of a break. Acknowledge the feeling. Acknowledge the thought because I think we also put a lot of pressure on ourselves to not ever have a negative body image thought about ourselves ever again because body positivity and I'm supposed to love myself. And like, yeah, that's all well and good, but like we're human. Like if you can equate it to like having a bad hair day, sometimes I just don't freaking like my hair and it's not the end of the world. I'll probably put on a hat or like put it in a bun that day. But with your body, you know, it just feels like such a bigger thing. Um, But try to get to the point instead of like body acceptance and body neutrality and like confidence, not so much like unconditional love and positivity because it's unrealistic. So let's start there. Um, So you have a thought, you accept it, you acknowledge it like, you know what, I'm feeling this way today, but I can also acknowledge that like, this is the body that I'm in today and I can't change it right here, right now. So what are we going to do to move past it? And I think if you kind of have that acceptance of like, yeah, it's like maybe not the best day, but I can still have a good day. Put on something a little bit more comfortable, um, like something that you're more comfortable in. Like don't try to like squeeze yourself into your smallest jeans on a day where you're already feeling kind of dumpy about yourself. Um, And I try to sort of like rewire the thought a little bit. Like you can have respect and acceptance for your body at the same time that you have those feelings. Like even if it feels forced, you can kind of be like, you know, I'm feeling this way today, but yesterday I felt this really positive thing or like, okay, feel this way right now, but like, damn, I crushed that spin class this morning. So that's something like my body did that. Um, Trying to just reframe it a little bit. And I know for myself, when I was like going through like the worst of my body image stuff, I would constantly like literally any time I went into a bathroom, I would like lift up my shirt and like body check. And it was so toxic, but I'll, and I don't really do it anymore. But like on a day when I'm having those negative thoughts, I'm not like going to avoid mirrors, but I'm certainly going to avoid anything in the realm of that, if that makes any sense. Like, all right, I'm not feeling great about my body today. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm not going to sit here and nitpick myself because I could do that. But instead, I'm going to be like, hey, I did this this morning and my body did that. I felt this way about it a couple days ago. So, you know, we're probably going to get back to that feeling after like I eat breakfast because I'm just grumpy right now. Or I'm going to put on a different outfit that maybe accentuates things differently and we're going to move past it because this is the body I'm living in today and I owe it to my body and I owe it to myself to be a little bit nicer to myself and have a good day regardless. You know, take some pressure off. It doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect all the damn time, you know? Um those are all the questions that I got. Thank you guys for 
shooting them over. I appreciate it. I love engaging in more of these conversations and I want to do more of them. I'm going to try to do at least one solo episode every single month. So we'll do these questions. I'm also going to set up um, like a, a message capability on the podcast so you can leave like a voice message and then I can play the voice message. I can answer your questions. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Please, please, please reach out with any topics you want discussed either on the solo episode or I can find a guest to cover the topic. If you have any guests that you think would be great, send them my way. Um, Like this is for you. It's not for me. Also, also, um, I meant to say this up top, but so I'm kind of in the process right now, just like sort of life update um, of considering having my IUD removed, not for baby reasons. Don't jump the gun. Mom, I know you're listening. Don't get excited, even though like I'm not married, so I don't know how excited you would be about that. Um, but like you're pretty progressive. So, um. Yeah, just for like hormonal reasons. I've been on birth control since like hormonal birth control since I was 14. I'm 29. That feels like far too long. I have a sneaking suspicion that I might have PCOS or at least like a major hormone imbalance happening. So I am like starting to do my research in like what exactly hormonal birth control like does to your body, what effects I might have after, um, and then also like cycle syncing in terms of birth control, but also for diet and exercise. So I think I'm, I'm, I'll keep you all abreast on this journey and share my findings with you. Um, I'm trying to secure like a hormone expert, if you will. Um, to come on the podcast and talk about these things, but also like share with me your guys' experience going through that if you took out an IUD or stopped taking birth control, um, if like anecdotes, information, if you find like if you think this topic would be helpful for me to really talk about and you have specific questions or anything like that, let me know. I'm an open book. Um, that's it. Have a great week, guys. Thanks so much again for listening. Please subscribe, like, send me a little rating, share it with a friend. Like nothing goes farther than you posting it to your Instagram story and like giving me a tag or telling your friend like, hey, I really like this podcast. You should listen. Like literally means the world anytime I hear from any person that listens, even if it's like just my mother. Um, yeah. I love you all. Have a great week. Peace and blessings. Thank you for listening to the Build with Brayback podcast. Stay connected on Instagram at Build with Brayback and our website, www.buildwithbrayback.com. Show a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.